Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Lord's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. In this episode, we'll dig into a former commission that worked to represent Hispanic Missourians in state decisions. Then, we'll hear from an entrepreneur in Kansas City who recently received funding from Google for her healthcare startup. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Teddy Mallorca. Teddy, how are you doing this week? Siggy, I am good. I'm I'm still recovering from the Missouri-Georgia nail-biter we had this past weekend, but uh, I'm doing well. The colors are changing on the uh, the leaves on the trees, and it is beautiful outside. How are you? I'm doing well. I actually just got back from a trip to northwest Missouri, and um, the weather up there was beautiful, so I'm excited for what the rest of the season has in store for us. Me too. Are you ready to get into this week's headlines? Absolutely. Why don't you start us off? Sounds good. Governor Mike Parsons signed two tax bills into law Wednesday, capping off a legislative special session he summoned in September. One bill cuts the top income tax rate from 5.3% to 4.95% and would potentially lower the rate to 4.5% in the future if revenue growth meets targets. Parson also signed a package of incentives targeting rural economic projects, which includes three tax credits to promote biofuels. Several agriculture groups are again criticizing the Grain Belt Express, which is a proposed power transmission line that would span several Midwestern states. Opponents say that the developers of the line are attempting to bypass landowner protections in a new law, which requires the developers to pay a higher fare to owners in some parts of Missouri. The line was approved earlier this year, but easements in eight counties across the state are required to build it. Record low water levels on the Mississippi River are impacting barge traffic, which is bad timing at the start of harvest season. Crops like corn and soybeans need to be moved, and the large freight boats are vital for transportation. Communities from St. Louis to New Orleans are experiencing the low levels. And the Missouri Supreme Court upheld a law Tuesday that strips Missouri workers of merit system protections. That means that most Missouri workers are at will and not entitled to seniority protections or grievance rights when fired. The court's decision overturns a 2019 ruling from a lower court that was favorable to state workers and labor unions. story, we'll take a look at a former commission in Missouri that worked to represent Hispanic and Latino people in state decisions. Very interesting. When was the commission active? The Governor's Commission on Hispanic Affairs was created in 2003 from the efforts of a pair of advocates in Kansas City. The purpose was to advise the governor and General Assembly on issues important to Hispanic Missourians. The commission shifted to an economic focus in 2005 and met for the last time in 2008. Okay, gotcha. So why did it stop meeting in 2008? Well, that's exactly what the story is about. Missouri Business Alert teamed up with KBIA, the NPR member station in Columbia, to look into the commission. Here's a story from KBIA's Cassidy Arena. It's been 14 years since the state has had a functional governor-appointed commission assigned to address issues facing Hispanic and Latino Missourians. Also since then, that population has seen a more than 40% growth. At the Business After Hours social hosted by the St. Louis Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, attendees say events like these that support Hispanic communities are integral to their professional and personal growth. Attendees like Gabriela Ramirez Arellano, who says there's a need for more state efforts like these. We're barely like scratching the surface on the needs. Ramirez Arellano is an entrepreneur who served on Governor Mike Parson's Show Me Strong Recovery Task Force last year. It was created by executive order to alleviate some disproportionate pandemic pressures on underrepresented business owners. And so for me, it was important to be at that table to advocate for like the struggles that we have. 
that executive order mentioned something called the Hispanic Business Trade and Culture Commission. That was active under former Governor Matt Blunt. It was earlier known as the Governor's Commission on Hispanic Affairs under Blunt's predecessor, Bob Holden. Either way, the commission doesn't meet anymore. Oh my goodness, they don't? That's Beatriz Kamet-Chin. She had served as a commissioner based in Colombia and has since moved out of state. She hadn't heard about its disappearance. Too bad that the commissioning is no longer together. That's really sad, actually, because they need a voice. The last time documents show the commission met was 2008. It was technically still in existence, but activity stopped sometime during the transition to the Jay Nixon administration. Some commissioners were assigned in 2008, but there were no meetings set or directives from the governor's office about what commission responsibilities would be. Six years later, in 2014, Nixon lessened it to a committee. That expired within the year. Commission co-creator Carlos Orta says there's less government influence associated with the committee. So if you don't have a voice, the government doesn't know about this population, they're going to be left out of opportunities. Not because people don't care, they just don't know. Orta and the rest of the commission prepared annual reports throughout the years they were active, which they then presented to legislators. Their goal was to act as a direct link to lawmakers and show how Latinos were contributing to the state, and also what they still needed. In their preliminary research, the creators of Missouri's former commission found states surrounding Missouri have pretty successful Hispanic commissions. Nebraska, Kansas, Illinois, and Iowa. Iowa's Commission of Latino Affairs, among other things, helped establish a statewide helpline for Spanish speakers called La Línea de Ayuda. Caleb Knudsen had been its chair for more than two years. He says the fact that Iowa's Latinos have a commission gives them teeth. You know, if we were just some committee that got put together, some nonprofit, that's us on our own legs. But when people hear that we are governor appointed and we get an official letter and an email with the stamp and seal, that matters. People care about that. Back here in Missouri, former commissioners say they are willing to help whoever steps up to start a commission again. And St. Louis resident Gabriela Ramirez Arellano is trying. To be able to be at the table and provide and share some of those experiences as challenges or as best practices, it helps the state actually acknowledge and realize that there are other people besides English speakers that they need to help. As of now, there hasn't been any major development to reestablish a state commission designated for Missouri's Hispanic and Latino communities. Thanks again to Cassidy and KBIA for that story. For much more on the commission from Missouri Business Alert's Skylar Rossi, go to MissouriBusinessAlert.com. For our next segment, we'll hear from the founder of a Kansas City startup called Free From Market. Emily Brown created the digital health platform to provide patients with personalized telenutrition and educational services to track health results. Interesting. And why is Free From Market in the news? So Free From Market was recently selected for this year's Google for Startups Black Founders Fund cohort. Founders receive $100,000 in funding, tech resources, and other support to help grow their startups. Missouri Business Alert reporter Chelsea Peter recently spoke with Brown about what the funding means for Free From Market and its future. Here's part of that conversation. It's nice to meet you. Thank you for having time to talk to me today. Yeah, thanks for reaching out. So what does Free From Market aim to achieve with its telehealth? So much information, uh, so much research is there on it's not enough just to get people the right food. It's really about education. And we really see that as empowerment, right? So we take an assets um, approach instead of a 
kind of deficiency approach and really work to meet our our individuals that are using our platform where they are. When did the idea for Free From Market begin and where was that? I always tell people I've been working in this area for the last eight years. You know, I come to this space with lived experience. So what that means is I have two daughters that have chronic conditions where food is part of the standard of care. It's really the only way to manage the conditions. And we were on WIC, on SNAP, and couldn't get the food that we needed. So initially, I started a nonprofit to get special dietary foods into food banks and food pantries. And while the organization is still growing and and still, still doing good work, while I was running it, I recognized that this is so much larger. I began working with hospitals and payers and patients and I became a co-investigator in research in this area. And I saw this opportunity to do the work at scale. So last year, uh, we built an MVP. We're working with a few initial institutional partners and, you know, we're we're ready to grow. How has your company succeeded since the funding from the Black Founders Fund? You know, I'd say the funding from Google Black Founders Fund was really instrumental and came at a great time. Um, we all know the challenges of raising capital and how important capital is for businesses to to grow and and continue on their their path and on their journey. What have you learned since starting Free From Market or since receiving the funding from the Black Founders Fund? You know, it, it's wonderful to have support, uh, to be in community, because oftentimes entrepreneurship can be a lonely journey. And it's difficult because, you you know, you have these experiences that seem very unique and there's you can't relate to a lot of people who are not on the same journey. And so being a part of the the cohort has been a blessing in so many ways um, because I've been able to find community with the other cohort members to learn from their journeys. Uh, even though some of them may be in different industries, we still are kind of all in the same spot in our along our journey. To touch on your cohort, how is it like um, being in a cohort with other Black people? And what was that like? What is the camaraderie like? You know, the camaraderie is great. Um, but like I said, it's it can be lonely a- along this journey. And I'm based in Kansas City. And I often tell people, um, you know, Kansas City is a great place to to build a business. There's lots of business support here in Kansas City. But to walk into a space where everyone looks like me and they're all pursuing the same uh, level excellence in their business is really, really invigorating. It's it's really fulfilling. And so I'm I'm just excited to continue to to build and grow with these leaders. What do you think needs to change to for the entrepreneurship area to be more diverse with um more leaders um that are people of color? There's lots of entrepreneur support programs out there, but I do really think it's important to have programs specifically designed to support entrepreneurs of color because it is different for entrepreneurs they come in they you know what they come up against is you know the same challenges that um minority leaders in other sectors come up against it's you know not knowing or understanding the unwritten rules and so i think it's it's important um to make sure that those are addressed and that there's kind of that transfer of 
of knowledge and equity, um, that social equity, which is just as important as the capital. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Take care. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Teddy, what word have you chosen this week? This week, Siggy, I have chosen opinion polls. Okay, very statistical. What's the context for that? So, recent polls gauging the opinions on a ballot initiative that asks to legalize recreational marijuana have come to contradicting conclusions. Two polls found support and opposition to be neck and neck, while a third poll projects the initiative will pass with a double-digit lead. Wow, and how'd that happen? Well, the polls have different margins of error and sample sizes. A Remington Research Group poll, which found supporters and opponents of the amendment to be in a tight race, had a sample size of 1,100 people and a margin of error of 2.8%. A poll from Emerson showed similar findings and had a similar sample size and margin of error. The third poll, which showed the amendment sweeping with a win, was done by Survey USA and sampled only 670 people. Okay, interesting. And how are activists viewing their potential election outcomes? Well, supporters of the amendment strongly believe that they will see victory on Election Day. We'll have more on this in an upcoming Business Brief episode. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My word this week is by Missouri. Okay, and what's that? So, by Missouri is an annual celebration of Missouri products that's happening next week. The initiative encourages people to buy goods made in the state, and the goal is to support Missouri businesses and manufacturers. That's pretty cool. Can every business in the state participate? So businesses that manufacture more than half of their product in the state are eligible. There's close to 500 businesses in the state that are participating. Actually, the initiative is getting ready to announce its 500th business soon. Wow. Well, I think that wraps up our words of the week. Siggy, take it away with our closing thought. For our closing thought, here's Free From Market founder Emily Brown again with her advice for founders who are starting to grow their startups. I always tell people that It's important, one, to be clear about your your mission and your goals. Um, So, you know, you have to have a clearly defined vision um, for your company. Two, I would say, you know, you you really need to be passionate and persistent. Um, You know, growing a startup takes a lot of effort um, and no one gets there by themselves. You know, it's important to surround yourself with with people who see your vision and can help you execute and have maybe a different set of skills than you have. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-hosts, Teddy Mallorca, editors Cole Miller, Katie Quinn, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy, I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.